There's a bunch of crazy stories written by the Brothers Grimm. And now you're gonna learn all about them, listening to the Brothers Grimm. Students and scholars, friends and relations, welcome to the Brothers Dim podcast. My name is Phil. And my name is Mike. And today we will be discussing story number 19, The Fisherman and His Wife. Mike, how are you? It's been a long week, but I'm good. How about you? <laughs> I'm okay. Uh, before we get to story 19, though, longtime listener, friend of the Brothers Dim, and team mom to, to our group of friends, Mrs. Linda K said that we were a bit too disparaging to Karen Carpenter. So That's so... It is so. I said, okay, I'm going to find a good Carpenter song that I like. And by doing so, by finding a really good song, I will make amends to both Karen Carpenter and to Mrs. K. And then then I'll, I'll tell you all about it on the podcast and maybe we'll end the podcast with it. But so I'm going through her song list and I, I finally see a song called Calling Occupants of Interplanetary Craft. What? I know. And, and so so I'm like calling occupants of interplanetary craft. And I said, oh, I, I got to hear that one. <laughs> and the song is about aliens have heard of the Carpenters. They call in a radio station to request that they play some Carpenters hits. And then instead of uh, just listening to the album, the Carpenters sing a message back to the aliens. And it's fucking amazing. <laughs> this sounds like some sort of like Santa and the Martians uh, TV movie <laughs> from the 60s. It might, it might be. It's like it's on the last album that she was alive to release. Uh, I know that she had a couple. They had a couple of more albums after she died. Yeah. What? When are we talking? Is this like late seventies? I, I can't remember. Seventies. Yeah. Died. Yeah. Yeah. She died in the seventies. And by the way, uh, also uh, according to Mrs. K, uh, died not of quaaludes, which we alluded to. <laughs> uh, she died of a heart attack due to her anor- anorexia, which is which is. Oh wait, did anyway, I? I don't think I implied she died of quaaludes. I knew she died of anorexia complications yeah i think that we were joking that maybe she died ah, of, of quaaludes we're, we're on a roll tonight we, <laughs> <This> is... <laughs> welcome everybody welcome speaking everybody of, speaking of feedback uh we can be reached at brothers dim podcast at gmail.com if anybody wants to uh send us a little note that's true housekeeping done i will go through if it's okay with you mike Please. the story number 19 the fisherman and his wife and what might be the longest story we've done now now that i'm saying it at eight pages Ooh. yeah so i'm gonna try and see if i can get through all of it in the normal time it takes us to do uh, a story which are normally <laughs> two two and a half pages but once upon a time there was a fisherman who lived with his wife in a miserable pigsty close to the sea <laughs> i mean it's at least it's oceanfront <laughs> i know immediate giggles at that but anyways the the fisherman goes out of fishing catches himself a flounder the flounder immediately starts talking, says, look, I'm not actually a fish. I'm a prince in disguise. So please let me go because I wouldn't taste good anyway. Fisherman says, hey, you know what? Sure. Even if you weren't a prince, you're still a talking fish, which is pretty neat. So off you pop. Let's the fish go. Fish swims down to the bottom of the sea, leaving a trail of blood behind him. <laughs> um, I guess from where he had gotten hooked. They don't they just they just they don't say why. But I love that detail. The fisherman goes back to his wife in the pigsty. And that was a direct quote, which also made me laugh again. Yeah. He goes back to the pigsty, doesn't mention the talking fish until his wife 
it says, oh, did you catch anything? He says, oh, wait, no, yeah, I did, actually. I caught a flounder, but it was a talking flounder who said he was a magic prince, so I let him go. Why you wouldn't lead with that? Right when you get back to the pigsty, I don't know. But wife nonplussed says, well, did, did you wish for anything? And the guy says, well, well, no, what do you mean? And the wife says, well, come on, man. You're talking fish probably, he can probably grant wishes. Go back there tomorrow. Wish for us a cottage so we don't have to live in the pigsty. And the dude doesn't really want to, but eventually capitulates. Goes back to where the fish was. Apropos of nothing at all, says a little poem <laughs> to the sea. And the <laughs> flounder comes back up. Says, look, this is kind of embarrassing, but my wife said I should ask uh, if I can have a wish. She wants to live in a cottage. I, I wouldn't have done it, but, you know, you know what marriage is like, or, you know, or maybe you don't. <laughs> if you do, I don't want to hear about it. But Flounder says, going to stop you right there. Go home. You'll find your cottage. He goes home. They have a little cottage. The wife is happy and they live contented for a fortnight. Though after the fortnight, she's looking around. She says, you know what? This house is actually too small. Go back and ask for a castle. And he says, well, no. What if the fish gets angry? <laughs> she, she persists. So back up, he goes, says the poem again. Fish's first words now are, what, you know, what does she want then? So the flounder is already starting to get a little sick of this woman. But nonetheless, <laughs> boom, she wants a castle. She's got one. Next day, castle's not good enough. She wants her husband to be king. The husband doesn't want that. And finally, she says, well, okay, if you won't be king, then make me the king. So back he goes. And this goes on for pages. And, you know, next she wants to be an empress. That comes true. She, <laughs> she inexplicably wants to be the pope. And <laughs> boom, she's at the pope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> finally, she straight up, straight up wants to be God. And the fish finally pissed off is like, you know what? Tell her to fuck off with that shit. And you go on home. I'm You're back in the pigsty. And there uh, they live in the pigsty for the rest of their miserable, dirty lives. The end. <laughs> Michael thoughts. I don't like this woman either. I'm, I'm with the I'm with the flounder here. Yeah. Um, it, it's got some tones of the goose who laid the golden egg. OK, where it's it's one thing after another until they're left with nothing. I don't know that I know much about the goose that lays the golden age. Was that a Jack and the Beanstalk? Yeah, it's I mean, it's probably a Hans Christian Andersen. Ugh, now I I'll have to dig it up at some point. But that's fine. We, yeah, I mean we can we can certainly talk about. It. But so back to the story though. You it reminds you <laughs> of uh well, you know, it reminds you of the 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 goose that laid the golden egg. So is that yeah, is that kind that, of getting towards one of your morals or are you No, I don't I don't have a moral. I mean, be content with the cottage over the pigsty, I guess. I mean, that was a that was a good upgrade. Yeah. Solid um, upgrade. But yeah, just in the whole the the theme of something magical happens and then you demand more and more until you've demanded it too much and now you have nothing good times oh absolutely i uh but that's I, that's not a moral at all all right well i mean to an to an extent be content with what you have don't ask yeah. for too much i think yeah i had three <laughs> morals one don't get greedy which is the which is what you're kind of talking about a little yeah. bit two if your woman keeps asking for more and more whatever you got to put your foot down at some point, man. <laughs> well, he does <laughs> say the first time she sent him back to the sea because the man did still not quite like to go, but did yeah. not like to oppose his wife and went to the sea. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm not saying hell I ain't dying on. He should have said, I, I got you. I get you a cottage. I get you a castle, a kingdom and an empire. The holy sea. <laughs> <laughs> the throne that the pope sits on. You get to be the pope and the king of the Vatican City and and king of whatever bit of land the fish gave up on the baltic sea or whatever and none of that is good enough 
and then you want to be God, but also you can't walk your ass down to the beach yourself. <laughs> I didn't want to do any of this. So I'm half a mind to go down there, wish for a wife who's happy with her lot in life, then have me going running errands, telling poems to fish every day. She she knows the flounder doesn't like her. That's why she's sending him. <laughs> that's yeah. Um, but anyway, that's 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 a kind of a long moral. I don't know if that's a specifically more. Three, I think the real one, yeah, what you said, be yourself, be careful what you wish for, sort of. I think later versions of the story, you start getting into monkey paw type wishes and shit, but this one's just mm. straight up greed, I think. Yeah. Arn Thompson, type 555, which is just called The Fisherman and His Wife, and it's always the same sort of beats, and this story has been recorded all across the world. Oh, uh, this was a, a neat point. I don't know if you came across this. So the Greenwood Encyclopedia of Folktales and Fairy Tales calls this the first true anti-fairy tale in Grimm, which is the fairy tale as an hmm. unhappy ending for all involved. I think the fish is all right. Besides the blood trail. I don't know that the fish is. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. Could, I guess well, he's, he's also theoretically still a prince cursed in a flounder body. <laughs> That's the, so I guess I guess there's that. I don't know if he can't wish himself back but yeah I, and i guess i don't know if we've seen that before usually at least one person does have a happy ending in these right yeah no i think that's fair so like story 16 we were talking the other week we were talking about the straw the coal and the bean <laughs> which is an aesop but the bean at least lived even though we now had a yeah. black stripe i guess coming up spoiler alert we have the mouse the bird and the sausage they don't <laughs> they're not unhappy but they're all dead in the end it, it um, doesn't end well no I have a, a couple of other notes. I don't know if you have anything. And I've got my I got a studio pitch. I don't have a lot of notes, but there were some amazing lines in this one. Well, so before I get to those, like, okay. do you think it's a literal pigsty like with pigs like <laughs> slop on the ground? Or is it just like, is this a euphemism for it's it's a mess? I think a mess. It's, it's a small hovel. And maybe I just they, 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 they only ever call it pigsty. So I was starting to wonder if there's actual pigs. <laughs> I just assumed a mess. I never even considered that, yes, pigs live in a sty. After the cottage, he, okay. you know, he, he comes home and he finds her there and she's, she seems quite happy. Um, and he says, now we will live quite contented. And she immediately says, we will think about that. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> that's, that's just like, ah, I see where this is going. I think maybe the Brothers Grimm at this point had gotten married. And I think that they started realizing. <laughs> Moral number four: Don't get married. No, yeah. Wow, Jesus Christ! In these, these books, yeah, maybe they were a little, they were a little unhappy because the the wives always the wives are wives are always uh, a little bit being a big old so and so. I suppose they have a tendency to uh, nag. Yes, uh, until they get what they want. That they do. I mean, in in Grimm's. When I read the story, I did not consider when I woke up that morning that I would read the line. The flounder can't make you pope. <laughs> but like, it's, it's it's funny because, I mean, this is hundreds of years old, but it reads almost like dialogue today. It's just like, oh, yeah. the flounder cannot make you pope. Come on. I, yeah, I, I don't know much about how to become pope. As far as I know, becoming pope only requires that you be a man and Catholic, but it, it does require that first one. I think there's like white smoke and a conclave of cardinals and... uh, no, well so the the cardinals all vote and generally speaking they they vote for one of their own right and have Prob done probably so not since... this woman yeah probably not this woman <laughs> but it's always a man yeah. i think that's i i'm almost sure that it's so doctrine far. yeah so far i guess 
<laughs> I was. I don't know why I, I'm laughing. It's not funny. I, yeah. <laughs> okay. What else? What is there? Was there any other lines that you particularly so, enjoyed? Not, no, not particularly. I mean, there, there are plenty. But one thing I wanted to talk about is, and and this, this might be touching on, you know, coming back to morals. The last line, the fisherman has to go back to the flounder and say, "All right, she, she wants to be like God." And the flounder says, all right, go to her and you will find her back in the pigsty. Now, is this punishment for wanting too much or is this an allegory for godhood doesn't require material possessions and a kingdom and a popedom and an empress? And that's really interesting. That would make it not an anti fairy tale. Then you, you, know, you that we're going to get you to be part of the kingdom of heaven. I, I, I don't, I don't I think don't she, know. I don't think she was all like. Oh, I see now. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sure when he got home, she was fucking pissed. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's just sitting there. Like, Man, I don't know what to tell you, lady. I, just, I, I told you, I told you, I told you. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall for when she's in the middle of her castle as an empress and pope, or sorry, emperor yeah. and pope. And she sends him out to make her god. And all of a sudden, she's just back in the pigsty. She's just, she's, she's just like... This isn't my chair. This is a damn pig. <laughs> I find the ending interesting, and I'm wondering if there could be more there. If there's a like a little wink and a nod there. That's very philosophical. Very, yeah. maybe even a little. Is that Buddhist? Maybe a little too philosophical. No, no, no. No, I think that, I think that would be Buddhist actually, which is maybe not probably not what we're looking at anyway. I don't think the brothers Grimm were going for that, but I, 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 I like that reading a lot. I could be ascribing too much to it. I think but I, I like it too. No, no, no it, it's totally fine. It's it's like the I, I forget if we've talked about this. It's like the song Ironic by Alanis Morissette. Only half of those things are actual irony. Right. But by naming <laughs> a song ironic and having it be about non-ironic things, that in and of itself is ironic. Oh, which was probably not her intent. It's probably not her intent, but it's a neat reading. Yeah, <laughs> I digress. Anyway. Um. Something I came across, so I was looking up the different the different versions, and this was I thought was really neat. Did you come across that? Have you come across in your any of your research for these stories? Uh Andrew Lang. The name rings a bell, but I can't place it. Okay, so he's I'm born guessing in 18... scholar of yeah. Grimm's. He's a not of Grimm's, but uh almost a contemporary. He was born in 1844, Scottish fellow and folklorist at Oxford. And started publishing books in 1889. I think at this point, Grimm's has been proven a proven success. Like yeah. you can, you start publishing folk tales and fairy tales, you're going to make a little bit of money. So he's banging these out once a year in collections of like 40 fairy tales a piece. One of his books is called The Crimson Fairy Book, and it's got a folk tale out of Japan, but that's <laughs> just based on the fisherman and his wife. But nobody can prove now that that it actually was it was never written down by any japanese people but funnily enough it does a, start appearing after lang started publishing his books it starts appearing in the the oral record in japan and also in in books in japan people just i i don't know if they just oh that's fascinating it. isn't it neat and they loved it so much that they're like hey need a book someone <laughs> wrote a book about us <laughs> it's my country that is now canon that's <laughs> Lang actually pops up pretty so there's another time he pops up pretty soon. He's he's I think going to start showing up in research I've noticed as as we're getting more and more through the books. Yeah. I had a pitch 
<laughs> see if we lay can. it on me thinking a studio ghibli type movie am i saying that right studio ghibli i i don't know if it's ghibli or ghibli i i say actually i don't even know what i say <laughs> yeah i probably just right. say whatever comes to mind first all right well studio ghibli we're gonna say yeah i don't think you need humans you can do mice or fairies or whatever studio ghibli nonsense but the main character is not a married person teen kid who lives with their mom and their siblings and her favorite sibling is uh, a bit sickly so we got some foreshadowing it's an older brother her, her older brother is her favorite because he tells her stories all the time with her as the main character and uh for fun i'm going to call her lang goes out exploring one day during a rainstorm rains so hard she's running home she slips splash into a raging river and you can have a nice exciting scene with that but she ends up in a fishing village near the ocean that's where she meets the fish he's all tangled up in a net or something you know oh can you help me oh why sure so lang saves the fish fish says okay you have my gratitude gives the kid a bunch of his scales whatever i don't know the gender of the fish but so if you <laughs> drop one of these in the water i'll appear and grant you a wish and i don't want to monkey paw this at all so it's nothing about the wording i don't want to do any of that she just here's a bunch of wishes so she's not trying to wish herself into being a god or e whatever either i think you know but the through line is that lang's siblings are starting to have weddings so she wishes you know for one of the wishes she wishes for a gift for one she gets a dress for another a big feast for another she's also making little wishes for herself you know little treats and the cookie and i you know like oh i've got so many of these skills kind of wasteful wishes after one of the weddings she goes to a friend's house for a sleepover makes a wish to have a snack again uh it's the last wish she she doesn't care but oops uh next day she comes home to find that her favorite sibling her older brother has has passed away and she doesn't have any more wishes to bring him back oh, and she never even thought of wishing to cure him so you big emotional scene um, the end yeah <laughs> lango searching for the fish again trying to find it finally does begs for one last scale the fish says i mean you can have as many scales as you want it's fine um she wishes her brother hadn't been or to be alive again she wishes her brother hadn't been sickly but even she he hadn't been sickly of that but then he has a weak heart and he still died before you know a, a while ago she wishes him alive he's in a coma he's in pain he dies again fish finally explains look it was his time and the wishes won't you can have as many wishes as you want but the wishes won't do any good she's teary she's cry um so there's an angry argument or whatever finally she asks if she can just have a little more time and the fish says it's impossible but go home and look under your bed she does and she finds that he's written down all the stories he's told her over the years into a book in a bound books that uh he made in the last scene we see her in bed reading a story called lang and the magic fish holy shit that's pretty good right that's freaking amazing that's a tearjerker is what that Dude. is i think wow like yeah i don't i don't think you can pitch that as a kid movie that's why i was because thinking it's... studio ghibli right because yeah. that's kind of oh, yeah yeah that's they kind of yeah they're, more... they're allowed to do melancholy endings yeah and the, and she gets more time with the brother a little bit in that like she gets all the books she gets all the stories right yeah but yeah no, I'd, I'd be crying at the end of that holy crap maybe also uh, i i love the name lang for like a for like a teenage girl yeah it just sounds cool it's solid. Do you remember the tele the television show, The Gilmore Girls? I remember it, but I never watched it. I think the I'm daughter. I'm assuming a, this is going somewhere. <laughs> yeah, the daughter had a best friend named. Oh no, the best friend was named Lane. I think. Ah, Lane, not Lang. I'm not sure. Anyways, yeah, um, that's my movie pitch. I think it's a pretty good one. I don't know who I would pitch it to, but uh, yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, well, thank you. Thank I think I think you. Yeah, we sh you should get on writing that. I've got. I've got. <laughs> Patent pending. 
I'm patent pending. I've got uh, I've got I got to finish. I got to finish the Devil and Judas Iscariot first, and that's back from the editor. And then I there's a couple of things I just gotta bang out, and then I'll put that out and sell dozens of copies, and then I can start these short stories. I suppose. Busy dude. Mm-hmm. Anyway, unless you have anything further to add, I think that we no. can call that the end of story number nineteen, the fisherman and his wife. Very nice. My name is Phil, and my name is Mike. Sleep tight. And we will see you next time. Even. Calling occupants of interplanetary craft. 